follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. So summer is in full swing at the clubs, for sure. Oh, yes, it is. People are activated, like horny activated. Can you feel it in the air? I can feel it. There's like an energy. It's kind of electric. I don't know. I'm kind of old. I've kind of (laughs) developed a callus, like a full body callus. (laughs) You say that. My hustle remains the same no matter what the season is. Despite the the changing of the seasons, (laughs) my hustle is unwavering. Yep. Um. I, it feels like this kind of like awareness tingle. I don't know. I guess I'm always sensing it. I'm always trying to feel really connected to the sexual energy around me. I think I felt that way more when I worked more night shifts. Uh, now that I'm semi-retired and I just like creep in, I feel like for the occasional mid or the occasional Monday night, um, I it's just such a different vibe. That's true. It's slower. It's more one-on-one. It's always that way. That's true. And then people in the daytime, I don't know, people who day drink, I'm just like, don't you have anything to do? Like, I'm jealous. Part of me is jealous because I'm like, I wish I could do that. I just (laughs) feel like sick and tired and then like I can't do any of my emails later. But Um, that's the wonderful thing though about being sober and getting to hustle those people. Oh my God. (laughs) So I've had so many bachelor parties in the last couple of days and I'm not complaining because they can be really really lucrative and they can be really pleasant you know um I had two different bachelors that I gave dances to on the same night a couple nights ago and <laughs> both of them propositioned me for do you do anything besides this do you do anything after do you do anything extra and my first reaction is like Oh, God, I wish they would just decriminalize (laughs) is where my brain goes. Because it's like there are there's strippers who like don't know how to answer these questions because they don't want to be. They're like, oh, is this like a sting? Which is in Portland. It's probably not. But you should never you don't want to even suggest. I don't even want to suggest where someone could go because then what am I like facilitating some prostitution bullshit chart, you know, um, promoting prostitution. Uh but like I just say like oh I'm sorry I can't do that for you I wish there was a place people could go so you could find what you need um and then sometimes it'll lead into like this other guy this dumbass from fucking were we already complaining about guys from Arizona but he's like oh I'd love to see you after you know it'd be a good time I can pay really well and I was like oh I'm really sorry I wish we had brothels here so that you could meet your needs because I can't do that for you and he's like oh yeah uh you're so cute why do you think that is i'm like well it's probably puritan society like controlling people's and he's like oh that's so cute 
It's so <laughs> terrible that like my student loan payments are so high that a part of the first thing I thought of is, oh, I wish my apartment was clean so I could invite you back. Dude, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I mean, would, I'm, like... I'm kidding, but seriously, God, I wish I could hoe. Oh, I, I wish know. I could do it. You, yeah, I, w- I wish it was like, I wish it was a more like safe and accessible thing to do just to like, oh, time again, time to go to the brothel, time to go to the club. Like these are the precautions we take. You know, these are the condoms we wear. These are the security cameras, whatever. Um, this is the payout that hopefully is agreeable to the worker. Um, but it's just really funny. It's a funny way. It's a fun way for me to like segue into talking politics with people who are like utterly hapless. And I'm not trying to ruin their dance. But if I can leave a little nugget in their brain, like, oh, it's too bad that people criminalize consensual activities. <laughs> Why do we do that? Um, anyway, so one guy had a huge pre-cum stain on his leg. Oh. <laughs> like right through his pants. Like probably like a couple inches in diameter around. And he also had a very large penis. So it was pretty low on his leg because his cock was tucked down. And I had, <laughs> I know, I always offer the option to people, if you, if, you, if you need to adjust, just let me know. And in the beginning, it's really funny how many guys and women, but a lot of people are like, oh, no, I'm sure there's nothing you could do that would that would hurt me or that wouldn't feel good. And I'm thinking like, well, no, your dick's going to move and you're going to want to adjust it. (laughs) (laughs) It has nothing to do with like my intentions. But so then later people will try to sneakily adjust when I'm like bent over and looking between my legs. And I'm like, are you okay?" And they're like, oh, yeah, just got to. There we go. It's like, hey, I told you. <laughs> anyway, so this guy had a cum stain, and it was just one of those things where it was Did already... Did you ha- offer him a napkin? No. To blot with? <laughs> no, I actually, like, tested, like, the amount of moisture that I was going to come into contact with inevitably anyway, because I'm like, I can't avoid this for 20 minutes. He had bought, like, a package of songs. I knew I was going to be in there, and I'm like, I realistically can't naturally avoid this area on his leg while being sexy for that amount of time so okay I guess I'm just getting cum on me whatever pre-cum pre-ejaculate I'm thinking it's been out in the air for a few minutes like if there was anything viral it's dead just don't rub your pussy on it do I have any open wounds no okay good we're good it was mostly my leg like in my thigh that would rub on that area maybe the back of my arm my elbow if I'm kneeling Um, but anyway and the other thought is like you guys are getting married you're bachelors like bachelors quote right you're on your bachelor party um, you're getting married. So that whole like last hurrah thing is so it's so witnessable. Like we've seen it. And it's this mentality, I think, where it's like last got to get my last bit of crazy because it's, you know, forgivable as long as my fiance doesn't know about it and all my bros don't say anything. Well, I tell you, though, that that is always something that used to weird, weird me out. Um, and I don't like to see myself as that puritanical person, but that but the thoughts I'm about to relay are probably going to sound that way. It, it always amazed me and kind of bummed me out the amount of bachelor parties that would come in to the club that I worked at for a very, very long time um, at night, whose name I will not mention here. But it, was really, <laughs> but it was very popular with bachelor parties. And during the summer, you would get like seven, eight of them. A night, a night, Jesus. yeah, like it, yeah, it, and a shift is like six hours, so that's like a whole different group of nuts. Like five and a half, yeah, but yeah. there would be like bachelor season. It was like total chaos. It always really kind of bummed me out the amount of ba- bachelors um, that would want to grab you and want to like engage in more kind of sexual contact with you. And I'm just like, dude, you're getting married. I mean, right. I know that you're having a last hurrah, but you, this is. 
Your sentiment sounds like mine. You know, like you're you're getting married. Like, could you not? Could you not proposition me? And could you not like try to grab me? Like, I'm glad you're marrying a nice girl. She might not appreciate this. And like, thanks for. Why do you think that I would? Why do you think that I would be the kind of person that would want want to actually help you cheat? Because I don't see a lap dance as cheating. But but I some people you, do. Yeah, that's true. But some people do. But I. But I would see some, I don't know, unconsensual titty grabbing might be cheating or right, maybe, but maybe blowing you at your hotel might be cheating. I don't maybe know. to her. And this is the games I play in my head, too, because we don't know these people they're marrying. Right. We'll never meet them. We barely know the person we're dancing for. So it's really funny. I try to figure like, I wonder if your fiance would be upset that you're here, that you're getting a dance that you just not like unconsensually grabbed my tit or my ass which of those would upset her would would it be the the stuff where you're not respecting my boundaries or is it the fact that you're even, even here, here right? or neither because our abuse is very permissible 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 to a lot of civilians because we're trash we're garbage you know we should expect that kind right, of treatment anyway right. so the the issue you know when people get mad at like like, don't call me a racist. I don't like being called a racist. I'm like, wow, you're more mad at being called a racist than like the then stuff you that you said. The, right. Than <laughs> you the know? policies you're advocating for. Right. Are yeah. you mad at the behavior or <clears throat> anyway? That's yeah. true. Thanks. And I, wow, I've gone 20 years of my career without actually thinking. Really? That exact same thought. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. Interesting. Well, now you'll think it I for just the think, next oh, God, 20. Get it, right. <laughs> Oh, God, please. Let's hope I'm not dancing for another 20 years. Well, you'd be 61, <laughs> which is, might be a record holder in this city. In this city, but not, not in the America. World. No, not and definitely the not world. the world. No. I said something to my therapist the other day. I said, you know, like, I really feel the way I've, I've started taking better care of myself and having a better attitude about work in the world lately, which has been helping me. I'm like, some days I really feel like I could dance for another 10 or 15 years. Um, That would make me... 41 46 and she's like oh wow and I was like no 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 there's there's women I dance with now that are for 40s in their 40s and she's like is that unheard of I was like no I can think of like three right now if you (laughs) you know as you get older your hustle changes so much I definitely hit around 36 between 36 and 38 I don't know actually I was still kind of at my peak it was around 38 (sighs) that for some reason like I hit this I hit this wall and my body gave out like I got a really gnarly shoulder injury and then I gained some weight. I couldn't be active like I was. I wasn't able to do any pole tricks at mm-hmm. all. Not that I was any sort of big pole dancer before, but I could I could do some stuff. Um, yeah, but like, that, what did you? How much became, weight did you gain? Like twenty pounds? Yeah, like fifteen, twenty. Yeah, and in like a real quick change, that's like a lot. That's like basically like putting weights on yourself when you're going to work. Yeah, all it was of a like sudden. over. It was like over. It was over the course of six months. It all okay. happened like all at the. But it was a very quick thing and literally one it's like one day I noticed it and I was like I've turned that corner Mm. people respond to me different Mm. and and honestly too with getting I know lots of women much younger women choose to keep dancing after they've gotten an education because you still make more than you do in in a vanilla job and and the cut and student loan payments are so high however I found as I got closer to completing my undergraduate yeah, I found it a lot more difficult 
to play along after I complete as I neared the completion of my undergrad like it, it became harder for me to pretend let shit slide Interesting. let some condescending remarks slide just because sometimes I would find I would find nice ways to play those so I could keep taking your money um now I find that a lot harder to do I, I don't take I don't let fucking 22 year old idiots talk down to me anymore <laughs> Yeah, 22 I, is exactly up. what I'm talking about. I don't even let 35-year-old idiots talk. <laughs> I don't let people talk down to me. I've earned that, you know? Yeah, it. I wonder. It's funny. It's like I know what you're talking about because when you are a young dancer, especially when you're a young new dancer, um, people are going to make more assumptions about you that you're naive and that you're, I mean, less knowledgeable about the world. And in general, that's true. Um, so I think that's also why when people were condescending to me when I was much younger, it angered me because it, it reached, it sparked, it hit a nerve. I was like, I, I was young and I didn't know a lot about the world and I'm still, there's so much I don't know. But now when someone is like, oh, what's your podcast about? I'm thinking like, dude, I've, I have enough work and life experience underneath me where like, I don't feel that I have to prove myself to you. Right. Right. Exactly. And I'm just not going to take shit from you. <laughs> even though I know, even though part of me knows that maybe I could get a couple dances out of you if I play this right. I just don't care anymore. I'm like, fuck you, don't ever ask me that question again or don't talk to me that way. Or get and just get up and leave my stage. That's <laughs> that's my attitude now. And it certainly wasn't my attitude about five years ago. And it's hard because so. that will make you less money, but you'll have better mental health about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm also transitioning out. I mean, it's something that I have the luxury of doing because it's dancing isn't my only source of income. As a matter of fact, right now, dancing is just, I would say, supplementary supplementary income to what I make as an investigator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's still my main gig. So right. I'm going to I'm in it. <laughs> I think I would be I would be much differently. Mo- I was much differently motivated when it was my my full time mm-hmm. my full time mm-hmm. job. So about cum pants guy. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, so I just kind of gave up. It's really funny. At some point, people might be like, ew, gross. Like, I got dances from you that night. Did you? Did you? Did I get cum on me? I don't know. Maybe you're in a public space <laughs> where people are rubbing their Think bodies on the stage. Think about all the hands you've shaken when they someone didn't wash their hands after they pissed. Think you're, of you've every gotten worse on you. door handle you've ever touched in a restaurant. Okay. Did you put a paper towel over your hand and open the knob? I do that. <laughs> if there's no paper <laughs> towel, I will pick which part of my sleeve to not touch for the rest. I mean, I'm a fucking germaphobe. But like if you go to a strip club where people have their genitals out and they're rubbing against things like just expect you're going to get bodily fluids on you. So and this is why when I come home and I've been out and I've been into a lot of like contact spaces like a show or a sex venue, I take all my clothes off. I put them in the laundry. I take a shower. And do you use Hibiclens? No, but I use antibacterial soap. You like Hibiclens. Yeah, I like Hibiclens um, because it kills the fuck out of MRSA. It's awesome. <laughs> I haven't had MRSA in about seven years. So MRSA is a highly resistant to antibiotics type of staph infection. It is. Um, and I don't think that I, I think it's actually MRSA is pretty uncommon outside of hospitals. However, staph infections are not. And those things run rampant. You around know, strip clubs they're painful they're difficult to treat you got to go on antibiotics they don't go away on their own and it's just i mean this is just uh, from skin friction like it's just skin rubbing skin i mean bodily fluids will skin spread it skin, too but it lives on i'm pretty sure if your stage doesn't get cleaned well oh, enough yeah. it 
it oh, yeah. lives on the rack. I had a nurse. Pole. I had a nurse tell me when I was dealing with my MRSA, whatever it was, eight or nine years ago. She's she said ten years ago you only saw this in hospitals, which is funny you say mm-hmm. that. She says now it's on public pool benches. It's really anywhere people have skin contact. Well, I think MRSA is technically the the antibiotic, like the super mm-hmm. antibiotic resistant one. And mm-hmm. I think that the kind that they have that you usually that you might pick up in the club or that that lives in your nose or whatever, I think that those are still and I'm getting less easily treated by antibiotics. But I think still, I think they put you on Bactrim. Bactrim, right? I am allergic to. It put me in like a full anaphylactic. Whoa! I was gnarly. I thought I was dying. That sounds awful. Not a full anaphylactic response, but like I had trouble breathing. My whole body hurt. I was broken out in hives. I was like. Did you puff up like a. I puffed up. I couldn't. Oh, yeah. So Bactrim and Septra. I always have to tell uh, my allergies. I give my allergy report. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so semen pants guy. What else? Oh, remember Drunk Jeff we were talking about? Oh, yeah. Good old Drunk Jeff. <laughs> drunk Jeff came in the night after, the night that we recorded that we talked about that. And I told you how I just, him. just told him off. <laughs> you brought him in. <laughs> I conjured him. He didn't, he didn't remember me asking him if he'd ever been a working class person or if he just lived off of his inheritance for his entire life before he was like fuck you you don't know shit he i mean he he does he has an inheritance which is fine which would be fine if you didn't like constantly ask for shit for free and be a sexist (laughs) asshole that is entitled anyway so he came back that night i thought that was kind of funny did you give him staff for free (laughs) i wish i wish i could just point at people and be like anyway yeah i haven't had any staff MRSA infection Probably in like eight or nine years. I said seven, but I, I forget how long I've been doing this now. <laughs> well, it's just, just a PSA. Lynn, let's use this time to have a nice PSA for any fellow dancers, sex workers that might be listening to this. If you have a staph infection, please do not come to work do not come until to work. it is completely healed. Mm-hmm. Don't put a Band-Aid on it and come to work. Don't put concealer on it and mm. come to work. That's, it's not a, I hate that. Oh, I just, it's just a butt zit. Like, girl, Mm -mm. that is not a butt zit. Mm -mm. That is staff. That is an abscess. And you're going to give that shit to me. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have insurance. Actually, lots of people don't have insurance. And you're putting their health at risk and their livelihood at risk by Mm -hmm. coming in. So just go to the doctor. Please do not come in. And you'll know it's not a butt zit because it hurts. Real fucking bad. Yeah real fucking bad for like a week or two and it's getting worse hey look at that it's not getting better it's getting worse you can go to go to urgent care right yeah Yeah. that's what i did when i didn't oh fuck i was like 22 i didn't have insurance i went to urgent care or if you happen to be a college student go to your school clinic they deal it's usually free and most universities and they deal with staph infections all the time Mm -hmm. very 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 common Mm -hmm. a good way to avoid that also don't share towels no yeah so if one person like in the family has it, so for a long time after I'd had a couple instances of staff uh, within like a year, um, my partner started getting them. Actually, he started getting them when we were having sex. We weren't even living together, um, but we were advised to use different um, bath towels if either one of us was having a, well, also a doctor, whatever it's called. A doctor told me that it lives and it colonizes your nose. So Gross. 
Yeah, it like lives inside. Like that's a really good atmosphere for it to live in. So usually they'll give, um, or sometimes if you have recurring staph infections, they have this gel that you'll can stick in your nose and rub around that kills them. Jesus Christ! But they, but listen, <laughs> if you use Coke, don't share bills. Oh my God! What? You know, think about it. I don't know. I've never. Oh, because do you jam it up your nose? I've never done a line. Jen. I've never done a line. I've never done a line. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been decades since I've I've done it. But yeah, if you um, people that have done the devil's dandruff know that you roll up a dirty, disgusting dollar bill and stick that shit up your nose. And now, and staff is just yet another boogeyman that you can <laughs> boogeyman wah wah <sighs> um, <laughs> that you can get because of that. So unintended. No, well, now that everyone's good and grossed out. Um, I feel so bad giving new clients my card sometimes because they're like, oh, thank you for the dance. This was amazing. This was wonderful. You're so sexy. Like, where can I see more of you? And I'm like, well, <laughs> here, listen, we talk about staff and other people's semen that I probably rubbed on you. Anyway. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy, and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Also, if there's any medical people listening that want to like add to this or give yeah. us any more pointers, I would, or if we're wrong about something, please reach out. We don't I, like I'm to be kind, wrong about things. We don't like to be wrong about things, but I'm really kind of obsessed with like but sometimes staph we are. and gross bacteria. So please, yeah, please tell us more. Yeah, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Uh, so actually, as far as the summer, like people are just more lively. There was a woman I glanced over and I missed it, but I saw one of our bouncers walking a female patron out with his hand like square in her back and not aggressively, but more contact. I hadn't seen I, I hadn't seen her before. So I'm like, how did this escalate so fast? So he's walking around and I hear him say, no, you can't do that in here. And 
comes over and I look down on the floor and there's liquid all over the floor. And I was like, oh my God. First thing I thought she peed. She didn't pee. She threw a drink on her date's face. <laughs> Ooh, classy lady. I've never, I've never thrown a drink on someone's face. Have you? No, I haven't. I feel like it's kind of a childish thing to do that's been glamorized. It's by also like, criminal. That actually counts as assault. Really? Too. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like it's kind of, I mean, I've done, I've done things to people in terms of like, I've spat on them and like, I've sl- them I mean, face, I've slapped, slapped people. In yeah. I haven't, Even drink. though that's assault, you know, if you, right. if you do that, you could face charges. Right. Um, but yeah, throwing a drink on somebody is technically, I think it's like assault for or something. What? It's like un- unwanted physical contact or how funny. offensive physical contact. Or- how funny. Um, so yeah, people are just kind of, super like more aggressive more arousable more aroused uh i feel like i was oh yeah but it's just like starting to wear on a lot of my peers to where coworkers that i've worked with for years are showing signs and telling me like their anxiety is much greater and some of it is attributed to the time of the year um because humans if you're not used to the heat it's a huge stressor. Heat really stresses people out. And then it's also the the news and, po- you know, political cycle uh, that's just become kind of overburdened. Yeah. Overburdening. I mean, because of, because of the, the political atmosphere and the garbage administration that we have in the White House, I feel like I'm literally in a constant state of outrage. Like, I feel like, I can't possibly be more outraged than I already have. And I, I'm just going to let it go and nothing's going to surprise me. And then something will be okay for a couple of weeks. And then something will happen. That's just so fucking offensive that it carries over into the rest of into, your day to the rest of my day. And I know a lot of people I know said that they just cannot watch the news anymore and they're limiting their watching the news. But I feel like I don't have the luxury of doing that either. Like it's not fair for me to turn up blind eye to something i mean that's a luxury oh i can turn off the news and it won't affect me that much right and that doesn't seem fair because there are people that live it so right i mean it's that doing doing what's yours to do and then understanding when you have to step away because it's going to make you crazy and disable you i had to take some steps back um, right before, right before I really dove into advocating against FOSTA, I had to really just sit for like a week in just, I was just overwhelmed before I'm like, before I can write about this or talk about this, but it's, yeah, it's the constant news pop-ups on your cell phone that are so intrusive. It's the intrusiveness of it because we have to realize like when you are someone who has the privilege and the ability to turn off the news, yes, it still, still does impact you, but if you're sad and angry all the time, you're not going to be able to do any good work in spite of it. So it is necessary. I feel like to, it is necessary for me to disengage so that I can regrow my energy, I guess, to continue to deal (laughs) with this shit. You know, um, I feel like I would be rendered ineffective if I looked at every single news pop up and replied to, replied to every single thing that I found upsetting or tried to educate every single person I thought was wrong. Like, there's no way. I wouldn't have a social life. I wouldn't be able to love my family or myself. I try to avoid actually getting to argue, into arguments with people on the internet. Make like, yourself erase gonna... it. You're like, fine, I guess. You take uh, one hand and hold down the other. 
Once your phone starts to blow up and you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the, <laughs> with the fallout of this. I found, so. I found that not having Facebook pop-ups on my phone makes me a happier person. How do you do that? But still, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> Settings. I can't figure out, okay, I can't <laughs> figure out how to make friend. it not notify me, but still let me know when I have messages. Um, I don't know. I don't, I turned off my, my, um. Do you think they deliberately designed it this way to make it harder for you to ignore if you want to get the good stuff? I mean, yeah, definitely. The algorithms, they want to tease you. So like, let's show you this thing that's relevant to you. Um, So I guess how are we, you wanted to kind of talk a little bit. I guess we'll go to break soon. I guess we kind of talked about our self-care stuff. Yeah. We have to move on anyway. Um, So we'll talk about sex and stuff. Sex and things. We got a good listener message. Uh, they they were interested, but a little, I guess not not concerned, but they were interested to see if we were going to address asexuality at any point. Um, I We are looking into a person who is asexual coming on as a guest. So don't worry. I, I mean, there's people that are so... <laughs> there's people who don't acknowledge asexuality as being something that exists that people choose or that they are um and i'm not one of those people it's i mean i might be wrong but it's not a choice is it it's just is it it no i mean it's how you are yeah Yeah. it's how you are but when i say choose to be asexual there's people in the world who have partners and have sex because that's what you do and they either haven't discovered for themselves that they can say I don't want to do this anymore this is not my sexuality this isn't fun for me or I think they're just not even aware of it because I have people who talk to me and they say I'm asexual but it took me years to realize it because the narrative is forced down our throats that like everybody masturbates you know right. or people have sex or like and I'm I'm guilty for sure okay of, you think of so? saying those sort of making generalizations like that absolutely we do that yeah, yeah it's like oh I just I don't know. We we make it sound like a choice sometimes. Uh, no, but it's just how people are aroused or how they're born. Um, but yeah, I know a couple of people who have been in a relationship. Let's say Apple and Banana have been dating for like 18 years. And in the first couple of years of their relationship, Apple said, I actually don't like having sex. And Banana said, oh, wow. Okay, well, I love you so much as a partner. Like, I'm fine with just not having sex. So for a couple of years, that worked. And then at some point, um, Banana said, you know, I realize I don't want to go the rest of my life not having sex. So let's explore maybe an open relationship. And that's what they're doing. That sounds like that would be a great time to explore something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would and definitely. it's working really well for them. I would love to hear more from asexual listeners. And I would love to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. And there general. you go. There you go. You just leaned right into the mic. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Get close to it. All, All right. right. So let's talk about our bad bitch in history uh you showed me this person martha gellhorn Mm -hmm. i asked my partner yesterday i said have you ever heard of martha gellhorn he said who i said exactly yeah because she was um yet a a girlfriend wife or wife of a uh big literary figner figure even though she was really amazing in her own right mm-hmm. we always like to uh erase mm-hmm. the people in close proximity to the famous men mm-hmm. that's a good way of saying that 
So Martha Ellis Gellhorn was born to a suffragist and social reformer mother and a St. Louis doctor in 1908. Uh, I guess her dad was a famed gynecologist at the time. And so she had always acknowledged that her parents were um, pretty progressive and she was very privileged. So he actually pulled her out of a convent school when they learned that the nuns were teaching female anatomy in textbooks with covered pictures. That's fucking cool. (laughs) After graduating from Bryn Mawr College in 1927, she became a crime reporter. This is in 1927. uh, And at the age of 25, she was the youngest reporter on a federally funded research team one that would discover areas of America hit hardest by the Great Depression, and she would report back to a commission that reported to President FDR at the time. So they first sent her to Gaston County, North Carolina, and she interviewed farmer families suffering from poverty, syphilis, starvation. Uh, She's once quoted as saying, all politicians are bores and liars and fakes. I talk to people. Um, I love this. So within a year of this gig, she was actually fired for inciting a riot among unemployed workers in Idaho. I would love to know more about that. Uh, But her writing and her stark portrayal of the peoples who had been impacted by the Depression really tapped on the heartstrings of Eleanor Roosevelt, the president's wife. And she invited Gellhorn to stay at the White House where the two would become lifelong friends. Um, She actually let her... Like, hey, you can sleep at the White House till you get another gig, <laughs> till you save up. Uh, Gellhorn's collection of short stories about this work for the Federal Emergency Relief Administration is called The Trouble I've Seen, published in 1936. So Martha became a war correspondent, and she met Ernest Hemingway in Spain during the Spanish Civil War in 1937. She was his only wife of his four wives to ever leave him, and it was after six years of marriage. Um, she was married three times, uh, always to writers and journalists, but she said that she found married life boring. Um, he's described of having an intense hatred for her for the rest of his life. Um, and she had described him as jealous and bullying. Well, after you, you talk about her next feed, I, I know a little nugget about. Oh, really? About that. Yeah. Ooh, I'm ready. About. Okay. So if you ever heard of Operation Neptune, it was the 1944 attack from the 160,000 Allied soldiers in 5,000 vessels that stormed the beach of Normandy in France in what was the largest amphibious attack that the world had ever seen. So do you know why she, well, the next bit you talk about how she stowed away in the bathroom and and drank like liquid courage uh, as they were coming in you know why she had to like stow away well because the women weren't allowed on there so also and Hemingway stole the original assignment from her he was so pissed that she was up for this big job for Collier's he that yeah that he applied for it and got it yeah god and they were married at the time this is when they were married not crappy so because women were only allowed in the rear view of the wars um she yeah she stowed away in a locking bathroom and so she drank liquor from her canteen overnight as the military vessel traveled her ship was the first to arrive and she actually waded into the cold icy shore with the with the doctors and the medics behind the minesweepers helping to recover the wounded from the corpses uh she also served to translate because she had chosen french uh, as a major in her previous schooling so later she would learn that everyone in the hundreds of credentialed journalists, including her husband, sat behind her in the channel. They never made it to shore. Her st- uh, Hemingway's story soon appeared in Collier's magazine, 
but with top billing and more dazzle. Uh, so she really, yeah, I think she called bullshit on that one. That was probably part of the reason they broke up. Good for her. She walked down on him. Um, but she covered six, Martha Gellhorn covered six decades of war in the 20th century. Uh, she covered all the major, many of the major engagements of World War II, Vietnam, uh, Nicaraguan Contras, Arab-Israeli conflicts, the U.S. invasion of Panama. And as she aged, she became increasingly critical of the U.S., naming it as a, quote, colonial power. Because it is. <laughs> um, she adopted a child in Italy, and she's credited with raising him mostly herself as she traveled the world and wrote articles for women's magazines to support them. And a literary editor for her once said, that she was amazing. She was nearly 90, smoked like a chimney, drank like a fish, and well into her 80s with high cheekbones, she could flirt as easily as women 50 years younger. When she grew sick with cancer, she opted for suicide, ending her life in 1998. Uh, she said, one of the things she said, the thing about war is that it has two sides, the absolute horror of it, and the other thing is that you meet absolutely marvelous people, brave and extraordinary people. Truly a badass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's a film. Uh, she's featured on the website. No place for a woman uh, for uh, women correspondents in wartime. But she's in that. Yeah. Oh, my neck. That's so fucked. <laughs> Fuck Hemingway. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? You whiny bastard. I like her writing better than his anyway, actually. Yeah, I never really rated him that much. Um, I had to for school in high school. Uh, I mean, I didn't read very much of it. I glanced at it and I was like, ugh, too much symbolism. <laughs> I feel like I always felt like his writing, um, I read For Whom the Bell Tolls, obviously. Um, I read The Sun Also Rises and Garden of Eden, I feel like was... Oh, you've read way more, way more um, than I have. And I just feel like his writing style kind of, you can just tell how he feels about women. Yeah, he hated his mother. He, by how he writes about. He hated his mother because character. she was apparently greatly abusive, but also very, um, I guess, like large and assertive. And her, his father was more like diminutive and uh, passive. So. Um, I've seen this before. It's interesting because it does come from a place of trauma. I've seen it in one of my own family members who, um, yeah, like definitely because of the, um, his mother is the reason he hates women or hates assertive women. So I wish yeah, I had an it's answer like, to that. Anyway, it's like he always um, writes women as like these flaky, conniving <laughs> interesting characters is how I always see them. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about sex. Do you want to read this listener question? Sure. I've been with my husband for over a year. Total married three months. He loves blowjobs, loves them. I love giving them to him. However, I have a strong gag reflex and I can't stand the taste of cum. He would prefer to finish in my mouth. What I've done is kept my mouth on him while he finishes, but as he comes, I move him up and down with my hand and open my mouth here and there so it runs down him and my hand i do that, that. makes sense i do that sometimes i gag from the smell he smells great but the cum almost smells like bleach or something um my biggest thing is the gag reflex i keep practicing deep throating him but i can't seem to get over gagging so much other than the cum taste and gagging yeah i love going down on him first buy him some pineapple <laughs> yeah how's his diet <laughs> i mean how's his diet honestly 
because fresh fruits and vegetables will make a world of difference. And I'm a meat eater too, but I notice when I eat more meat and processed stuff, I mean, my my skin smells different. My shit smells different. My piss smells different. My pussy smells different. My secretions taste different. Yeah, same with like garlic and onions. I get very you know, garlicky and very oniony. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. So maybe work on his diet. Yeah, fruit, fruit, water. Um, also, sometimes people just don't, you just don't like the taste or smell of your partner's stuff. And that's something people definitely have to work around. So here we are. Um, also, too, I think don't get hung up on deep throating. You just want it back far enough that you can knock it back like a shot of something <laughs> that you really don't want to do a shot of. But she but does want get... to do the, sh- the dick shot. She wants to. She wants to be there. She just doesn't like the right, right, gagging. Right. But you just want it to bypass the taste buds. That's that's all. But that doesn't mean that you <sighs> have to like. I don't like swallowing <laughs> semen. I don't like swallowing it even with my partner. I can feel it in my stomach. Oh, I know. Really? I'm totally. Like, and that's, at, I'm like, get it over with. <laughs> really? <laughs> I eat anything. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's women and there's women and I know women and there's plenty of women who are like, I love cum. I love my taste. My partner's cum. I love all cum, whatever. That's fucking fantastic. We need those. We're just t- not them. Um, yeah, I feel like I would rather swallow it than have like have it come back out, you know, have to spit it out. And then it like comes back past all your taste buds and gets swishes around in there and then you got to taste it more it's like I, an oyster shooter that's how i view it i'm like it's just i like oyster shooters <laughs> um i i do the thing also where i will like yeah into my hand or onto my lips but like covering my mouth because i just don't really i just don't really like gloopy stuff i didn't eat jam for a long time <laughs> i didn't eat mayonnaise for a long time um, I still don't really eat mayonnaise. What about that boba tea stuff? Boba tea. Oh, oh the boba balls. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> those can feel strange, but they're so sweet that I don't mind. <laughs> I like those. Um, let's see. How can how how else can we be careful or helpful? How else can we be helpful? So first of all, honestly, this is where my brain goes. So you've been with your husband for over a year and married three months, like. The rate at which you give blowjobs is going to decrease because you guys are fucking the most in your first year or two of marriage and relationship. So if it's something you don't love doing, you can definitely rest assured that the natural like progression of things means that that sexual like excitement is going to wane and that's okay. So the biggest challenge I would say for you is when it does, Um, make sure you still love giving blowjobs at all because if you don't like this aspect of it now, it's going to be harder to get motivated for it later. Right. And this is from someone who's been married twice. So, and yes, I know everyone's different, but genuinely there is, there is a way that these things go and excitement wanes and that's normal because you honestly couldn't be jacked up on someone all the time. That's just not like even a Christmas present. Kids don't hold their attention on Christmas presents more than like what a week, a month, six months, a year. Maybe it's your favorite present. You love it for like two years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a cynic today, but does that make sense? I mean, so work on his diet, do it in the shower. Sometimes it's way easier to like deal with cum and the wetness if you're just in a different place. Because it's like you have water and wetness all over you. So it might feel different to him. If that makes sense. It does. Change your change your environment. You could use flavored stuff. People use flavored lubes. Um, that's really just going to mask it though. 
Yeah, and I think just in the flavored lube would just kind of make his actual dick taste like that. Not like oh yeah, wouldn't oh yeah, just would kind of blow through that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want something to like, uh, what <laughs> dilute it with. <laughs> So and so this is funny because when my partner goes down on me I am so insecure about like how wet I am and like all my my secretions my pussy juice whatever you want to call it and I'll check in with him all the time like is do you like this Is this okay because I feel so gloopy and it's my hang up he's fine so again I don't want to give anybody else a complex everybody has their own things let us know how that goes listener <laughs> Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. Try not to get hung up on my cynicism regarding marriage. I think partnerships and marriage are beautiful, wonderful things. But like the fact that you've been married three months, like give it three years. Like you're going to be going down on each other less anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so this next question. <clears throat> my mom and I used to be very close. She's a single mom and I'm an only child. I'm 25 years old. My mom is in her mid 60s. As I've been exploring and building my photography year, the last year or two has been almost strictly not safe for work. Hell yeah, right? That's <laughs> what they say. My mom has always loved my creative side and loved my photography before it became not safe for work. Not safe for work means nudity, sex. Um, I was a fashion photographer. Over time, she's become less and less supportive of my art. She believes that my art, she believes that my photography is not, quote, beautiful anymore and that it exploits the women I shoot with. That escalated quickly. I've tried to explain to her that my work and sex work in general is not exploitative, especially if both sides consent. She believes that because the photographs are being put on the internet, it's not safe for me or the model and that my work is hurting the people I shoot. More recently, she has asked me not to share anything with her photography-wise, and she becomes deeply saddened and distressed anytime I bring up shoots or doing photography that is not my previous, quote, beautiful art. In her most recent conversation, she told me that one of the reasons she feels uncomfortable with it is because she had been in some sexually traumatic instances in her past. She's very guarded when it comes to talking about her personal life before I was born, so I'm not sure what kind of trauma, but as a queer femme who's had sexual trauma of my own, I'd love to talk with her heart to heart, but I think it's really difficult for her on a personal level. Are there any resources I could send her to convince her that my photography is not hurtful of people and women? Are there any things, um, you know what, the ones at the end, as far as can I, what can I do to prevent my industry? I feel like those are bigger questions for another right. time. We focus on the mom thing. Okay, we'll cut that. So. <sighs> well, uh, the first thing, does she, I'm assuming that she knows that in order to publish any photos on the internet or otherwise, that the models have to sign a pretty complete release. Mm. Don't they? I mean, I mean, when I was in when I was an art major, like our professors drummed that into our heads pretty good when we were photographing people, even not naked people, is that you've got to sign a release mm. before others can see it. And maybe that might be a good way. Maybe showing her a release might also then be a good way to talk more about the consensual mm-hmm. nature of it, especially from a professional. Like, look, this is a professional thing. Mm-hmm. here's a contract and consent that is signed by the model mm-hmm. and then maybe walk her through the process like explain to her exactly how you explain to the model about the shoot that they're gonna do i kind of the fact that mom is in her mid-60s she had a whole lifetime 
before her child was born. So she had her kid in, when she was in her 40s. Um, if there's honestly a great enough deal of trauma there and your mom is an elderly person, people become sometimes a lot more sensitive and a lot more conservative as they age. Mm-hmm. And I would give yourself give yourself permission to consider that it might be in your mom's best interest to not try to convince her if it really bothers her that much. I I understand because, I mean, I'm not an only child, but I too like to bond with my mother and be like, this is what I'm working on. But it took me a really long time to get her there. And my mom has what she has shared. I mean, she got attacked on a date once, okay? And she's okay with me sharing this. But my mom's never been raped. She was never molested. She's had pretty low level amounts of you know trauma in the world based on what she shared with me um but my mom didn't tell me this stuff until like last year um and she said when I was younger you didn't talk about that when I came home from that date my parents never asked me if anything if I was raped you know I could have been raped they never asked me so it was it would have been very easy for my mom to live the rest of her life and just not talk to me about that because she's already like, well, I'm 58, 60 years old. It was a long time ago. If your mom has that deep enough trauma that like this is incredibly triggering for her, honestly, I don't know that it's necessary that you convince her. She doesn't need to be okay with what you do. It would be nice. That's just something to keep in mind. But we can we I can still try to give like suggestions. <laughs> but like be okay with the fact that like it's not your job to convince her to be comfortable if really what you want is for her to be comfortable so that you're comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Also, the fact that you said she's very guarded about talking about her personal life before you were born. Uh, Did you ever read the Joy Luck Club? I did many years ago. Amy Tan. Okay, so in the very beginning... This woman is talking about her Chinese mother who during wartime, she had to leave her home and try to walk like what, hundreds of miles with her babies. She said, and then the Amy, the author, she's like, you know, I did the math. Like I am not those babies, meaning her mom had two children that died before she was even born. So it's really funny. We forget sometimes that our parents have gone through stuff that we just might never know about. And maybe they don't want to talk about. Um, otherwise you could definitely try to just show her the softer things. Um, I'm really surprised that it's triggering her that bad. I wonder why suddenly it triggered her that badly. So it makes me wonder if there's other stuff coming up. You think directly related to photography or? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think what else I would even suggest. What do you, I don't know. What else would you suggest? I don't know. I had such a bad non-existent relationship with my mother. (laughs) It's really hard for me to like envision any kind of like normal interaction with a mom at Mm -hmm. all. Like, uh, um, I say "Mm -hmm," as if I know, but like I'm empathizing. (laughs) Like I've had an interesting one with mine, but mine left when I was very young. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe Elle's right. Maybe instead of trying to force it on her and keep pushing it, maybe just respect her wishes at the moment and maybe try re-engage every so often, like yeah. test the waters. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she shared that she's had sexual trauma in the past, like that was, that might've been her reason. Like she's like, look, this should be enough for you. 
I don't want to talk about this anymore. And also, too, <laughs> maybe sometimes parents can get weird about anything sexual with their kids. Like, mm-hmm. I never talked about sex with my dad ever. <laughs> and me and my dad were very close. My dad... You love your dad. You've talked well on your dad before. I love my dad. I had the best dad ever. I miss him every day. Oh, I know I it pisses you it. off when people would make um, daddy issues jokes. Yeah. Because you're like, my father would be so yeah, hurt by that. Yeah, my dad was fucking awesome. I was, I was so lucky. You know, I was very, very, very lucky in that regard that I, you know, my dad was great. But we still like, <laughs> right. I didn't talk to my dad about sex and I never would have been comfortable. We just didn't go there yeah you know? yeah I think in this case like when you've had when you've had a supportive loving parent it's really it feels like a scarcity when they're like I, I can't engage regarding what you're doing mm-hmm. so I understand as being the queer femme child like you want to show your I mean my mom has seen like some of my writing and stuff but again it took her years and it wasn't stuff that I could just bring to her immediately right because well, it would have scared the shit out of her my dad was really important supportive of me being a dancer Believe mm. it or not, like he was very. Su- That's I mean, he right. Didn't, he didn't like it, but you know he he tried to support you. In he your tried choice. to support me as best as he could, and he knew that I was doing what I had to do to survive. But we didn't really discuss it. It's not like he came into a club or anything like that. So yeah, it's I I understand it like hurting you as the child that you want your parent to be able to love and support everything you do, but like we are not our parents you know, and they're not going to necessarily approve of the things we do. And I think our parents definitely did things their parents didn't approve of or need to know about. Um, Let's take a break. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax, followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Well, we care enough to talk about it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Sorry. Ooh, she has a new post. She has a new post. Okay, so we're looking at the transformedwife.com. Um, I have my I have my own. I, I thought have, this was a troll site. I thought this was a joke. I I couldn't believe that it was serious. Yeah, this. <laughs> Ellie, I didn't talk about it. I'm just getting hot faced here. No, it's okay. Oh. So Christians, I have some issues with Christianity. Not necessarily the the people. The people can be problematic because they follow the scripture, which can be pro- which is problematic, um, harmful. Generally, keeps women in servitude. You know that kind of thing. Um, so to the transformwife.com. So she had a blog post. Godly men prefer debt free virgins without tattoos. <laughs> this is from July 19th, 2018 by Lori Alexander. Um, I'm still not sure that this isn't fake, but I'm not either. I, this is just 
So this is great. This is actually her response to the original post. Um, the original post is giving all these reasons why men don't want to marry someone who has um, sex, uh, tattoos, or debt. And the argument in the original the piece... The debt part is interesting. That's because really interesting. That's because that's what you accrue when you go to school. Right. right. And that's what she said is she said it's better just to stay at home and get ready for the duties of the household. Don't go to school because you're going to have a bunch of college debt and oh, loans. Oh, Serena Joy. Who's Serena Joy? Oh, from The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. I read the book, but it's been a long time. Jeez. Oh, that one. The yeah, preacher lady. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> the wife is, of the, yeah, Ugh, the update. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> the update is, as many of you know, my, my post men prefer debt free virgins without tattoos went viral and is causing quite a stir. I should have definitely titled it Godly Men Prefer Debt-Free Virgins Without Tattoos. To be fair, actually, I can accept that. I could go with I that. I can't, you know, sure. um, because sure. I'm not a Christian. Right. I'm an atheist, and I don't want to pretend that I know shit about what all people... the different types of Christian culture. And I, I will say, like, so I'm, I have very, very deep-seated issues with, organized religion and i have very deep-seated issues with fundamentalism however recently through my investigative work i have had some experiences with people that have kind of started to change my mind not not that i believe in god or any any of this shit but i've actually met some self-proclaimed christians who do seem to to practice what they preach that run animal rescues and don't and don't judge that choose to live their life a certain way, but don't judge others. And, you know, I love and, actual Christians. Yeah, I just haven't I, met very many. Right. Of them. I haven't either. How about not that? until recently. Um, <laughs> love them. Yeah. I, not until recently. So I've, so sometimes I try to like, t I'm not a very tolerant person as far as religion goes, but I'm really trying to work on that and remind myself that they're not all, mm -hmm. um, fire breathing brimstone mm -hmm. fucking wackos mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of reasons where why people arrive at the at the the ways that they choose to live and if it's like a path of least resistance and you're a, a well-intentioned person i don't care how much scripture you cite as long as you're actually not doing harm and yeah, trying as long to as you're not hateful and also as long as you're not trying to turn it into legislation you run your culture however the fuck you want to don't try to make laws out of it that i have to follow you so know? she she's right she definitely should have titled it godly men prefer debt free virgins without tattoos because you're right and that's fine godly men aren't gonna want any fucking part of this <laughs> you don't not want none for of this you. yeah <laughs> not for you <sighs> Fair enough. Okay, um, lady. Um, she says, I have received almost 90,000 comments on this post on Facebook so far, and most of them hate it. Um, Man, this just took such a turn. Yeah. <laughs> from, from where I thought this was going to go. Awesome. I like learning stuff. I like learning stuff, too. Tattoos ruin the beautiful skin of a woman. I think this was someone else who commented. She was saying another godly woman had commented this. Tattoos ruin the skin, the beautiful skin of a woman. God created us as feminine creatures with soft and delicate skin. Tattoos take that away, but that is not to say we have not been forgiven. Um, I this, this doesn't make me angry, like as a heavily tattoo. This doesn't make me angry because I'm not taking it personally because I'm like, right. I don't care, you know, what you think. 
um, it's still not a surprise that people feel this way. It is funny. There's a Bible verse that says you're not supposed to permanently mark your skin. Which one is it? I mean, honestly, and that's an appeal to me. (laughs) That makes tattoos more attractive to me because fuck that shit. (laughs) But however, you know, if that's what if that's what you believe and that's what you want to follow, that's fine. Um, I know it's always weird that when um how angry my dad got when I first started getting tattoos and he was you know that doesn't that seem to be all the parent what my parents get my mom didn't care what happened I mean she disapproved but she didn't give a shit <laughs> about yeah. me at all I remember um, standing in an so, escalator in a mall and my mom was talking to me I was like 18 how I can you just, do that to your she beautiful was like, body she's that like, I made I know she's like but boy what about boys boy are boys gonna like you is literally it's something my mom said in the year 2005 it must have been she's like well what about boys are boys gonna like you and I remember this other woman like three steps down um she turned around and gave my mom the worst look ever and she had tattoos and then the woman looked at me and realized that it was a mom-daughter situation Mm. and she just turned around you know realizing that she wasn't talking shit about her but um I remember that thinking like hey look mom someone else realized how fucking ignorant that was that you just said that you know (laughs) I tell you what another reason that I feel so that I just say I guess I see how much different my experience is I don't know what my mom's argument would have been but my dad never god he never would have said think what boys will think I mean my dad raised me to not be reliant on men or their opinions about me to get by in the world he was he said what what are employers gonna think of you yeah that's true and, and that's I, kind of i mean i guess that's like a legitimate fear mm-hmm. i say that or, or it yeah. was more so in the 90s i suppose when i I, I still you know tell kids keep that in mind yeah, i got my fucking oil change yesterday okay and of course everybody helping me because i go through the little drive through thingy valvoline whatever and uh everyone's like where'd you get your tattoos done i'm gonna get some i'm gonna go to here i'm re- i'm researching shops i don't fucking care you know, but it's turned into a conversation. And then when they're really, when they're like a 20 year old, it's like, oh yeah, I just started doing my body because they're looking at me and I want to be like, look, dude, I'm self-sustaining because I'm a sex worker and a freelancer, but like, it's a really hard time to get hired for many, many people. If they have things on their neck and their hands and their face, let's keep this in mind. Like, I'm so sick of talking about tattoos. They're not cool. They're not special. They don't make you tough. They don't make you like a better person it's just something some people can afford to do to their bodies <laughs> uh so if you see me don't talk to me about my tattoos i don't care i don't want to hear about yours i don't want to talk about the story behind them or whatever usually there's yeah. not one i didn't I just count- thought it looked cool yeah i didn't well i mean <laughs> mine was like i found a doodle the other day that i had made when i was 19 and it was a, a doodle of like myself me i even had drawn my drawn my little mohawk on but I had noted I had made notations and scribbles about what tattoos I wanted where I wanted them okay this was 11 years ago almost 12 years ago I have deviated very little like this shit was planned and it wasn't because of other people's like thoughts or involvements and I also didn't keep track of how much I paid because when someone's like how much did all that cost and I tell them I don't know because I didn't care to keep track it's very disappointing I know uh, well we, I think people usually ask that question also too because they're about to make a, a big judgment on you and your priorities and how you live your life mm-hmm. well I do your dancing but you spent piss your money away mm-hmm. on tattoos I've had people tip uh, me and be like here spend it on a tattoo and I'm thinking like 
Nah, probably not. Spend it on dog food. Yeah, for sure. I I sadly, unfortunately, as I've gotten older, um, I actually got in a kind of an argument with my one of my best friends. Got um, was very inebriated last time he visited Portland and was like, "Don't you regret all those tattoos?" I mean, I don't have one. He went. It was really kind of offensive, and I, I know he and he apologized profusely the next day. That was so judgy and shitty, and and but he did say, "Would you do it?" now Mm -hmm. and I don't know sometimes I have a hard time answering that question I want more the way I see it right now I would love more tattoos but now they are no now that my financial priorities are hugely different Mm -hmm. tattoos are down at the bottom of my priority Mm -hmm. list Mm -hmm. um and do I sometimes look at myself when I'm looking at my huge student loan payments and my very expensive rent on my tiny little matchbox apartment and my car payments and all the other shit that I have in my life sometimes yeah yeah, I do look down and think fuck what I wouldn't give to have that money and also I don't really care about my (laughs) appearance expressing how individual I am anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just don't care Mm -hmm. what you know Mm -hmm. it it means yeah it's not a competition anymore you know Um, maybe one day when I have more disposable income if yeah. that ever happens, then it, tattoos will come back up the list. But Right. It's not. Yeah. I see people that have a lot and they're like looking at me and looking at themselves. It's like, I don't care. It's not a pissing contest. Who has more? Who did them where? What hurt? I don't give a shit. Um, so as far as what does the Bible say about marking your body? Leviticus 19.28. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. <laughs> oh, God. So everybody... Don't um, get prepared for burial. You can't have a, uh, what's it called? They stuff you. Embalmment. Okay. Now, one thing I can get behind here. Ooh, look at this. Proverbs 22, 7. I've never really read the Bible. This is all new <laughs> shit to me. Debt <laughs> is slavery. Why, yes, it is. Oh it God. actually is slavery. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Yet. How are Republicans yet, voting yeah, for Trump? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yet you keep voting for these fucking people, whatever. But I do agree with that. Debt mm-hmm. is slavery. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if <laughs> you're required to go into it to get ahead in this country now. So as far as the transformedwife.com, as far as uh, talking about what people should look like, there is actually, there's another verse, Bible verse, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 9. I don't know how to read these either. Women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. So all you sluts with braided hair right now. (laughs) (laughs) This and then yeah, so I want to like present this shit to her and say, Do you braid your hair? Bible says don't do that. Oh, wait, you're a Christian? You don't listen to the first testament? You get the new one? You don't listen to the old because the old testament was for Catholics. And then they (laughs) revamped it for the Christians. Who knows? Uh, it's just very, it's really funny how people make the rules for what can and cannot be. God, yeah, it's just such an alien world to me. Mm-hmm. It really is such, um, it's just such an alien world. I can't, I can't relate. Yeah, me neither. You know? And luckily we don't have to. Yay. I wanted to bring up one more thing before we end for today. I really appreciate hearing from all the women, all the strippers in Ohio after the Stormy Daniels thing a couple months ago or last month. So many got reached out to me and said, the cops do this here. They'll just bust you one raid. 
took in 16 different uh, girls with charges of like promoting prostitution. Fuck, that'll fucking ruin someone's fucking life forever. That's what's so ridiculous to me is these puritanical people tell you you need to get out of dancing and do something else. And then they make it fucking impossible for you to do that. Mm -hmm. Once you catch a charge like that, it's it's a lot more difficult. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. And those laws are so vague. Mm -hmm. So as far as blasts from the past, um, just keeping things in mind, like we get really negative and we get really frustrated with how the world is, but it's nice to sometimes remember how far we've come. So uh, a listener, J.C. Chorty, sent this to me, and she uh, it was going around on Instagram about a month or so ago, but it's uh, from this one particular post was an Instagram account called History Photographed, and it's a snapshot of different readers of a newspaper responding to the question, if a woman needs it, should she be spanked? <laughs> oh, God. Today's question by Herman Martin, uh, New York, New York. I don't know what year this was from. Uh, It looks like 40s. So one guy says, Miguel Matos, a Brooklyn counterman, says, why not? If they don't know how to behave by the time they're adults, they should be treated like children and spanked. That ought to make them grow up in a hurry. If it doesn't at first, they'll soon get the idea. I would love to spank his face. (laughs) He's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Frank Desiderio. Desiderio. I don't know how to say that. Yes, when they deserve it. As a barber, I've got a lot of faith in the hairbrush. I think there are certain cases when it is it is advisable. When it is, there's no reason why you shouldn't go right ahead and do it. I can't knock the idea. In my business, a man gets a lot of store by the results he can get with a hairbrush properly applied. So this guy's also dead. All these people are dead. That's the point, though. Like, it would be really hard if you went on the street today and said, if a woman needs it, should she be spanked? I think the general reaction, if you walked out to New York, New York today and asked men that, you'd still hear some weird shit. Some guys are probably like, oh, uh, sure. She wanted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's that's progress. Like, right. literally. Yeah, that's true. You know, in a lifetime. I wonder what the transformed wife thinks about spanking. Ooh, interesting. I wonder if she's one of those, like, Christian discipline people. You know, I don't know. She's probably getting really blown out with tons of emails right now uh so i shouldn't email her and ask her that probably won't see it right now i don't know we should we should try to reach out to her ask the transformedwife.com how she feels about spanking uh last one from teddy galay brooklyn parking lot attendant he says you bet it teaches them who's boss a lot of women tend to forget this is a man's world and a lot of men who step down as boss of family wish they hadn't spanking might help them get back some of the respect they lost and that's not generally how people feel these days. So I feel good about that. It's like a snapshot in time, which helps you compare that progress is happening. Right? I hope so. <laughs> Raising your eyebrows at me. Yeah, I remain skeptical. But mm-hmm. All that's right. just my jaundiced view of the world. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com. <laughs>